podcast listeners, you are going to want to tune in to this amazing episode of the Matt Baxter Show. I am your host, Matt Baxter. I'm hanging out on the Luciana. I'm hanging out with Luciana, who is uh, the great Luciana. I need to put it that way. Uh, so, just a quick backstory. Uh, many of you in my life have heard my story about putting a drink down on a table. Well, it turns out that table was not a table. It was a very expensive David Bowie, wonderful piece of artwork. Well, that happened to be Luciana's. And uh, we met that evening after I purchased her art and we became friends. She's an amazing performer, singer, artist, multiple platinum selling. Uh, she's got an NFT dropping this week, which I'm excited to launch this podcast, get some love out there for her as well, too. Links are in the show notes. And Luciana, thank you for just being a wonderful, wonderful human being. Uh, I, I had a blast. I, I very much appreciate your vulnerability and who you are. And uh, this is just so much fun. I hope everybody enjoys this podcast just as much as I did. Luciana, thank you so much for being a guest in this podcast. I'm so happy to be here. We've been, we've been planning this for how long? Oh my gosh. Far, well, well, let me, let me, let me give the listeners a little backstory because this podcast in particular is quite entertaining. So um, you are an amazing artist. You're an amazing performer. You're amazing at so many different things. We're going to hear about that. I, um, I think it was about a year and a half ago, went to an event uh, that you were performing at and also your artwork was being displayed. Well, I happened to, um, I don't know if you even fully know this story, but I happened to set my drink accidentally down on one of the pieces of I thought was a table. Turns out it was not a table. Well, little did I know, I am now a big time David Bowie fan and bought this piece of art, which I decided I'm actually thrilled with. You and I briefly got to know each other. We were cracking up and yeah. uh, uh, it, it all the legend begins from that. So I, I was I was thrilled and I love the piece of art. And uh, where, where it, is the piece of art hanging in your is it in your office? It's yeah. So I live in Michigan, but it's actually in Newport Beach at uh, at, at at Theo's place. My our company presence in in his oh, office. I love this. That makes me really happy. <laughs> so, anyways, enough about me. What's your story? Give me your background. Who are you? I just I just want to hear more about you. Okay, cool. So uh, just just quickly, it was really funny because someone actually put their foot on the Basquiat that was on the floor <laughs> at a particular <laughs> exhibition, and then some other woman put her coat on them, the Andy Warhol. So I just thought it was really funny how we tried to make it a bit sort of edgy, but a lot of people were thinking it was tables. So it's quite funny. It's well, I'm glad I, I got a lot really of people. Laugh. I know I shouldn't laugh because I'm the artist, but I think it's really funny. I actually got told that I was an idiot by a lot of different people. So it actually warms <laughs> my heart that I wasn't the only idiot, apparently. Well, honestly, it makes me happy. Um, okay, so uh, do you know what? A, a bit about me. Where do I start? Okay, I'm a, first of all, I'm a recording artist. Um, I got my first record deal when I was 18 with Chrysalis. And I basically had record deals like big record deals ever since and that sounds all very fabulous but what happened inevitably was I had five record deals and five record deals didn't really happen <laughs> so um so uh, for, for, for those that don't know, really know what that means like that means you sign something I they signed said really big, yeah I signed big I signed a deal when I was 18 then cried when I was 20 for like two <laughs> years oh my god my life's over <laughs> um, and then I signed another really big deal just before my 25th birthday with Sony Columbia. Song was called Life's a Bitch and Then You Die. Um, and then uh, the band was called Shooter. It was all going really well. And then the Jonestown shooting happened. 
the video was set in a school. It was it, all the timing was wrong. Then I thought, oh my god, my life's over. So then I'm like, okay. And then I got another record deal with Island Records. I got two record deals with Island Records at tw um, 27 and 29. And then they didn't work out. And then I got to 30, and I was like, okay, don't do music anymore, Luke. Just don't do it. And then, um, and then I thought I'm gonna. And, and alongside all of this, I've always done my art. I was supposed to go to art college, but it didn't happen because I got the record deal when I was 18. So um, I pursued music, and my dad said to me, "Do just be good at one thing because you know you're you're good at a lot of things." He said, "But focus on one thing." So I focused on the the craft of songwriting, and then alongside all of that, I'd always done art. So. I got to 30 and I thought, I don't want to do music anymore. I'm going to give up. It's making me so unhappy. Too many highs and lows. I'm giving, you know, all my my power to it because you're making, is this is a thing that's going to happen? No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. And then um, I got to 30 and I thought, fuck it. Oh, am I allowed to swear, by the way? Oh, feel free. Okay, cool. So I thought, fuck it. We're, we we opened up with me putting a drink on a on a piece of art and buying oh, it. I, I think it was like pretty unfortunate. <laughs> very, very, very unfiltered podcast. Go for okay, it. Okay, cool. So I got to thirty, and I thought, "Fuck this! This is making me. This is just making me unhappy." So I'm going to stop doing music. I am totally going to stop it. So I thought I'm going to carry on with my art. So I created some art pieces, some pop icon pieces, and had a solo exhibition in Soho, London, and it sold out. And I'm like, right. And then I, I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to start eating donuts. I'm just going to do art. And I'm just got, you know, I'm going to eat. Because everything in music, you've always got to have a certain, you know, you've got to look good in front of the camera. You've got to, and I thought, right, I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to eat pasta and just be real and normal. So as soon as I started to do that, I was really happy because I'd stopped the desire of the music. Then... A track, a dance track came in, which was the D. Ramirez Body Rocks track. And it was an instrumental that was big in Ibiza. And the two guys from Body Rocks said, we really want you on this track. Bearing in mind, I'd done dance music before, but on, on and off. And I'd had a really huge hit with Martin Tenvelden in Brazil, which was massive. Didn't get any money for it because Brazil does not pay. Right. So, um... <laughs> That's an aside. Um, yeah, so, now, <laughs> we can talk about that in episode number two. That's, that's another thing about the music industry. So, um, and that actually was another thing because it's like anyway, I'm digressing. I keep flitting, but so I, I have this moment, and then they they give me this track, and it's an instrumental, and what it is is the yeah yeah track. Okay, so this is the very first track that was electro. I'd never heard this sound before. Nobody had heard this sound, which is why it was big in Ibiza. It was the forefront. It was the very, very beginning of electro music. So they, they give me the track, and then I say to my writing partner, this is exactly what I say, and because I've got the ump, because I don't want to write. I don't want to do any music. Like, I don't want to do it. I said, I don't want to do it. I'm not interested. I don't get it. I can't even pitch to it. That's exactly what I said. And then Nick said to me, <laughs> shut the fuck up and go next door and write it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good friend right there right <laughs> i love that i love it and i was like fucking hell so i actually wrote it about the industry i actually wrote it about how fucked off i was with the industry and how i'm just going to take the power back and i had to lie and pretend it was about a, a relationship but the actual song was about you think you got it all worked out but you don't know nothing 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 and it was about 
you know, all my signings and all the failings and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we did this track. And then I swear, this is why I think dreams do come true and the universe is on your side. 11 weeks later, it was like number two in the national charts. And I, it was massive in Europe, in England. It, this was literally 11 weeks later. That then, is amazing. Right? What a fucking lovely story. So from the age of 18 to 30, I'd had these huge record deals that had all this expectation and they'd all... Did all oh, sorry only, about that. That's right. The only way they worked was that financially I could exist and survive to do my art. Does that make sense? So I could... I didn't have to go and get another job. Thankfully, although it didn't work um, within the music scene, it worked financially so that I could continue to create. So that's why... And then that was... Throughout my 18 to 30, my whole perspective was wrong. I thought I was a failure, but the actuality was I wasn't because at least I could do the, the music and the art, right? Do you know what I'm saying? So, so, I, so, it, I, so it, it made sense for me to do to um to have that. So I was grateful, and once my perspective had changed, and once I'd let go of the expectation of it all, then it all came to me. So what? That's a lovely moment, isn't it? That dreams right. actually do come true. <laughs> well, it's you know, it's it's funny how uh, for as talented, successful, amazing as people can be, it just never really seems to work out in our timeline. But somehow <laughs> it always works out in an amazing, amazing timeline. Yeah, um, yeah, but, yeah. but I mean, I, what what a, what an awesome way too about how that story was supposed to be. You mentioned about a love song and it was or love love hate relationship, but it was actually you know the way you the emotions for you were about yeah, the industry yeah. itself. I mean, that Absolutely. is amazing. That, because if I'd said, like, if any, if anyone said, oh, tell me what it's about. And I'd said, oh, it's about all the record deals I'd had. It sound, you sound like a bitter sort of, you know, just not cool. So I had yeah. to lie. Um, but what was really, really lovely was that once I'd, once I'd let go of the design, I remember sitting in the bath and this is what happened. It was just before I got, just before the track came in, I was so sad that this hadn't worked out for me and I couldn't believe it because I thought that it was my calling and I thought that I was supposed to be doing this. So, and I'd worked so hard at it. So why wasn't it happening? And it, it, you know, this was like, I'd started when I was 15 and then now I'm 30. So it's 15 years of fucking pure, I'm like continuous work and it hadn't happened. So then I sat in the bath and, and I thought, what would happen if I just let go of all the expectations that I'd placed on myself? What would happen if I let go of this desire and, and, and stopped right now? What would, how would I feel? And then I said, I'd feel free. I would feel free. I started crying and then I wrote in the steam on the, on the, on the, on the tile, I let go and I felt fucking amazing. I, I felt amazing and I, because I'd taken this off myself. So then once I'd taken that off and it did happen, Everything else that happened from then, so then from 30 to 44, right, because I'm 49 now, so now we're fast-forwarding, 30 to 44, I, I had the, the agent said to me, if you get two years of gigging out of this, you'll be lucky. I went, great. But because I'm a writer and I wrote all my tracks, or wrote all the top lines, I got fucking 14 years out of it. So I managed to tour the world and gig from the age of 30 to 45, basically. And then um, everything mentally was the cherry cherry on the top. I never changed my goalposts because I didn't want to always be unhappy. Like, oh, I've got to do this next. I've got to do that. Because that's what I'd always done. 
you know what I'm saying? I changed, I changed the headspace so that everything was the icing on the cake. And so therefore I was just grateful to be having these moments and to be living the dream from 30 to 44. So, and, and then, and here we are at 49. Soon to be 50. 50 well, I was, not, I was about to say I would not peg you a day over 25, so I'm shocked. Oh, my God. I love, why don't you come and live with me? I love you. <laughs> I will happy, happily anytime. So, um, you know, for, for, for you and your world, what is still your creative outlet? Obviously, you're performing. Obviously, uh, you're inspiring. Yeah. But what, what, where do you still go for a creative headspace? Well, it's really funny, right? Okay, so I think this. I don't want to be like, sometimes I'll still get gigs, but I don't want to be a 50-year-old bird on stage singing I'm Still Hot, right, with my drag tights on, pulling up my legs. And, you know, you know, I don't want to be that unless I'm doing drag. <laughs> so um, I, I wanted to exit stage left gracefully. <laughs> so I said to Nick, I want to do, who's my writing partner, my partner in crime. I said, I want to continue with, I want to create the art that I've always wanted to create and I want the time to do it. So what I did was I was able to set aside six months and I said to myself, right, I'm going to sit here. And I didn't know how to make a frame. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. But I thought, I kept thinking, there is nothing I cannot do. I can do anything I put my mind to. I'm clever. You can do anything. Every time I kept thinking, you're not clever enough. You can't do this. You can't do that. I kept thinking, of course you can. You, you can do anything. So I set this time aside and I wanted to create. 24 pieces. I don't know why I came up with this number. 24 pieces. I wanted to create 12 pop icons, 12 abstracts, large scale, four foot by eight foot. You know, the one that you've got. I'm going to make the frames. I'm going to create the pieces. I'm going to learn how to epoxy resin. I'm going to fucking do everything. And I'm going to give myself six months and I'm going to find finish. Because when you're self-employed, you have to set your own deadlines. And you have to adhere to the deadline, otherwise you're meandering through life. So I'm like, right, I'm going to fucking do this. And so those are my creative outlets. That's what I did. And then I had that exhibition that you saw, <laughs> that you and that you bought. And so everything I do is whether it's painting or writing a song or um, like making something, uh, very badly making a piece of clothing, very bad. But something, as long as I'm creating, I'm happy. I'm very grateful that I'm here at this age and and I can still say I, I create. To, to even be able to make art, because um, I, I thought at a time, because I come from a working class background, so I thought if you're an artist, that means you've got money and you, you're just sort of like, you know, you can just, you don't need to be doing art, but you um you have money to be able to sit there and create frames and that's not real work so i had to get around that in my mind does that make sense yeah it does it makes all the sense in the world yeah i felt like it, i felt like it wasn't real work like oh my god i you do get paid you get you 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 can create for a living <laughs> do you know what i mean because <laughs> i've like, I've worked hard my whole life so to, to sit in this my garage my my garage which is called punk street studios my art space and we make this stuff and I've got my ovals on and I'm like god can I do this for a living so I just feel really grateful so yes yeah, that, that's my that's my outlet painting make it as long as I get up and make something then that's a then, then that, that's a positive day for me that's um, a successful day 
I love that. Out yeah. of all the times that times, places that you've performed, big crowds, small crowds, what would you say was like, what would you say, two, two part question. Number one, favorite, favorite place that you performed, uh, doesn't matter how big the stage was. And then secondly, maybe like a surprisingly good moment that happened, just a, a fun, a, oh, yeah. what was something that came out of nowhere that was awesome? No, they're good questions. Okay, so the first big one, the, the two things, Two, there's two gigs, right? First of all, someone said to me, oh, can you DJ? And I went, yeah, yeah, of course I can. Total lie. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Total lie. And I'm like, I fucking hell, I've got to learn to DJ. So I set myself the three-month goal of learning to DJ. Because the guy said, well, I've got a gig for you in front of 10,000 people in Mexico. Can you DJ? Yeah, absolutely. Right? <laughs> so I'm like shitting myself thinking, can I do this? And then I keep going back to, yes, you can. There is nothing you cannot do. Yes, you can. You can do anything you put your mind to. So, Including DJ in front of 10,000 people in Mexico. No problem. Ain't no, yeah, no problem for New Year's Eve, right? What the fuck am I thinking? You can do this. You can do this. So that was an amazing moment because I learned to DJ, set myself the timeline, got up on stage, stalled it out completely as if like, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. I used to DJ in London. Total lie. Um and then I did that. So that was a fucking amazing, really amazing moment. Like, I achieved that. The other amazing moment was going on stage with Kashmir in front of 75,000 people um, and, and just nearly falling off the shoes that I had. They were so high on this very small stage. Being on stage with him because he's my friend and I'd done, like, a couple of chats with him and, like, thinking, fuck, this is amazing. <laughs> and then the other, the other flip side of that is it was I was with a band and this is like where I learned all my craft we did like covers band in England and um it was a really shit gig and it was really shit I got I think I got 70 pounds and everyone all the musicians were moaning this is gonna be fucking shit you know and I remember thinking I'm gonna make a point to learn something on this gig I'm gonna make this because there was only like 20 people in the audience I'm gonna make this one of my best gigs I'm gonna sing my heart out I'm going to have fun and I'm going to give it my all. And that was one of my best gigs because I decided to not make it a shit gig because everyone else was going, oh, it's shit, it's crap. Do you know what I mean? So I thought that was um, a turning point of a mindset that to choose to get something from it. So that gig was a pivotal for me in my brain. And then the other gigs, you know, that I told you about were pivotal as well. I love it. So I, I've done... Um... I, I kind of wanted to ask you, I've done a little bit of public speaking, um, not necessarily That's massive. That's my worst nightmare. That's my worst <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> well, well, so so here's the funny thing is I, um, I uh, own a business in the human resource software space. So I often get asked to speak at some of these HR conferences. And, you know, the funny thing is I would default towards like humor and self-deprecation yeah. and making fun of myself. But this crowd gives you nothing. I mean, not, so I've gone, I've learned a couple things. So like the first couple times I mentally, I, I get nervous getting up to public speaking and then I get up there and I make a, you know, camera adds 15 pounds. I got three of them on me sort of joke, just something, <laughs> just something just to ease mainly my own tension, get a few laughs and then we're good to go. Well, the right. problem is that logic works 
as long as you get a couple laughs. But when it's stone cold, your nerves actually get even worse. And so I I make a slight shift towards like, let's go emotional then. If that's the only route, whatever. Anyway, so not enough about me. I need to know what happened, how you felt after, say like halfway through when you weren't getting the laughs. Yeah. Well, how did you pivot in that moment to even continue? Like, I mean, because that's really, that's, that's got to be the hardest thing standing on stage on your own talking to an audience that's non-responsive. How did you get around it? Well, not to mention looking at the clock, realize I still have an hour left. This was not like my, my favorite is like 10 minutes humor, quick and easy. I'm good yeah. to go. There's not, there's not many. I yeah, well, well, after, after I made my first joke, then I, then I went back for a second one and even, even further crickets. So then I had like a literally quick, it probably to the outside looking in looked yeah, like yeah. 10 seconds. To me, it felt like 10 minutes of just like quick recalibration, slight <laughs> panic attack. And then I was like, all right, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to take this a different direction. And I wasn't necessarily my best talk, but I did everything I could to keep it much more emotional and much more like, like let's, let's tug at the heartstrings of some of the things we're talking about opposed to wow. going towards humor. And on like, and, and that's what I've. That's interesting. So you pivoted mentally and then you learned something about yourself. And from that moment, like if there were to be other talks that, you know, other audiences that were going to be that you knew how to navigate, you would know how to navigate in the future. Yeah. I I think the lesson I learned in that was I can't go on stage and have an expectation of the way the audience is going to respond to what I have. And, and, and because if it doesn't go that way, I'm screwed. So yeah. I kind of have to go out there and 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 uh, go and kind of be myself. But if it doesn't react well, be able to make a slight minor adjustment. So the reason I bring all that up is I wanted to ask you, like, no matter how big the crowd, the stage, and you performing, like, when you walk up out there, are you filled with nerves? And then once you, you hit the first note, you're good to go? And it goes, yeah. like, how, how, walk me through sort of the, the stage dynamic. Well, when um – First of all, I always get a bit nervous because it's like I'm I'm so I'm so grateful to to have to still be able to go on the stage. So I never take it for granted, and I'm never cocky with it. I'm never like, yeah, you know, this is what I do. I'm just super grateful, like I said, from that age of thirty to even be having these moments. So so first of all, I have that. Secondly, I always feel a bit nervous, but I, essentially, I always know that I'm going to be all right because I've learnt my craft. Right. And thirdly, I am um, grateful for the nerves because that means I'm human. <laughs> um, and the other side of me is like, even if my throat's bad, because this kind of like I can sing properly as well. So I, but this kind of music, I'm only going, uh, 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 I'm shouting and I'm rapping. Uh, uh, uh. So I'm doing that kind of thing. So I think even if I've got a bad throat or I know that I'm still going to be able to style it out. So that makes me happy. Um, and um, I also feel like whatever, like, because I do a lot of prides and they're just, it's just my crowd, it's my community. So I always feel like there's always that connection. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes if I'm doing a straight crowd, which is a festival crowd, that's harder. That's harder to connect with for me. Um, but when I play like the Will Sparks and the Cashmere stuff, it feels like um, it's more, it's uh, more of a, a thought process, do you know what I mean? How to get that crowd. So I feel like um, 
you just got it's like you say with every crowd's different right and you navigate as you as you go along yeah it's but so true the main, I also- thing is, the main thing is i'm always i'm always super connecting i'm always connecting with the crowd because otherwise and the girl i used to go on stage with she never connected and i remember thinking you are such a good performer but people can't reach you or read you or be present with you because you're too shy to connect with your eyes. So always make a point to look and, and just have moments. Because I love people. I, I absolutely love. And that's part of the NFT collection is called Clubbers. I'll go into that in a minute. But all these people that I see in the crowds, I they stay with me. I love the crowds. I love people's eyes. I love the energy that's created. I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to be part of it. Yeah, and, and the, the crowd connection thing is one I totally resonate with. I look for... I look for a head nodder. I mean, again, this is within the yeah. context. The moment somebody either laughs at my joke, they, they nod at one of the things I'm saying, they get the point. I'm, yeah. I'm instantly yeah. like, all right, you're the person, no matter what. I'm speaking. Can with. Yeah. And, and, and obviously if you can get a couple of them around the room just for a presence, but no, it's been, I mean, again, I'm, I'm pretty early into this. I mean, I'm, I've, I have probably done 15 speaking gigs in the last two years. And this is kind of new into my career, but it is, it is a wild, wild experience. So all, all that to say, it's uh, whether you're, <laughs> whether you're performing, you're singing, uh, you're speaking, there's it's, and no matter how I good you are, this, many times you got- I want to ask, let me ask you a question, right? Because you speaking or just speaking on stage means that you have to learn lines, right? And, and learning lines, fills me with total dread um <laughs> so so what you do i find the most fascinating thing and to stand there and talk for an hour is my total worst nightmare so how do you learn to do that how did well, you what, what's your <laughs> yeah. story there I, so to be clear i don't uh, i don't memorize anything and i do nothing <laughs> with spe- I, I do nothing with speeches i have like a beginning a middle and an end point and everything is kind of filibuster to be honest so like oh my god um, that's my worst nightmare yeah so i had a chance there there's a there's a global leadership summit that happens and i had a chance to speak in front of the next gen which is a a a group of young people and then it ultimately aired around the world and uh it was i basically had like six to seven minutes to speak so i kind of had my opening bit right and then i had my my sort of the middle meat of why i'm you know here and telling the story and then kind of the closing argument everything in between is a little bit of filling it and so when i'm practicing what i practice is not what's going to come out on stage but general themes is kind of what i is kind of what i work towards and you know that's that's usually how i approach it and again it's a totally like one of my favorite talks actually you'll appreciate this it's it's uh it was 25 slides like on a presentation powerpoint Five minute talk, you only had 15 seconds a slide. And it was no matter what you said, that slides were going to change after every 15 seconds. So if you got behind, (laughs) it is, it is, it is a nightmare because if you get behind in the slides, you're catching up and the audience is looking at the slides. It was by far and away my favorite talk I've ever done because I talk pretty fast. Yeah. You get to work with it and you just kind of get to roll. And if it doesn't go as planned, you don't have time to really recalibrate. You just keep rolling. I love so that's that. That's when you used your humor as well. Oh, yeah. I compared I compared uh, applying for a job if you were going to be a horse. And we have miniature ponies. And I talked about how the, a miniature pony wouldn't get a job if he was applying to be a horse. It was the dumbest thing ever. But- 
That's brilliant. Yeah, wrap, wrap it up with don't be a, don't be a jackass. Hire people beyond their resume. Don't be a jackass. That's brilliant. <laughs> so, okay, anyways, but so so um, let's talk more. You've got an NFT collection dropping uh, that's yes, coming out. Yeah. I want to hear. I want to hear all about it. Okay, so this is really funny because, like, two years ago, my writing partner, partner in crime, Nick, showed me um, this NFT. First of all, I'm like, what the fuck's a non-fungible token? I don't understand it. I'm not interested in it. And then he showed me the CryptoPunks, and I'm like, I wish I'd bought two because now they're just like, like worth so much money. Um, and then, so then I'm like, interested started to get interested in this world which was like full of degenerates and punks and rebels um taking the power back from like the corporate world um and the middleman you know like you have the gatekeepers that there's like the whole system being crashed down and filled with these rebels and i'm like i fucking want to be part of that world What's that all about? Because obviously I'd had this whole thing with these record companies, you know, these big corporate companies and, you know, the, um, you know, all the failings I'd had. Well, not failings, but experiences, you know, from 18 to 30. So this whole concept of an NFT space really, really fucking sort of made me have a fire in my belly again. So I'm like, what is this? So then I start to get into it. Then he then he um says, let's create a collection. So I create a collection of 50, it's a take on 50 ways to leave your lover. And we called it 50 ways to be a clubber, right? So I did 50 NFTs and we were going to do that. We were going to sign with, um I think, Lucky Entertainment in Australia. And that didn't happen. I've now got these 50 NFTs and um and I'm really proud of them. And then my friend Jen didn't know anything about it and she started to do her research into NFTs and she said, why don't we create 10,000? And that was two fucking years ago. So two years, here we are, here I am now. I've created 10,000 NFTs for a collection called Clubbers for all the faces that I've seen in all the crowds for all the years and all the gigs that I've performed at. And these faces have stuck with me, okay? And I've created this NFT collection that is like an homage to the crowd, right? So that's happening. I love it. Right? Yeah, so everything correlates and makes sense to my life. So there's 10,000 NFTs, but before that, we're doing a 4,000 drop of the VIP uh, clubbers, and it's called Royal Clubbers, right? So that's 4,000. It's going to be on the Hedera ecosystem, Originally, it's going to be on Ethereum blockchain, but now we've taken it to Hedera, who have been absolutely amazing. And that's coming out on the 3rd of February, dropping on Hedera. Um, I love- I'm, so, I'm so excited, Matt. Honestly, I just can't. I'm so proud of the artwork. I'm so proud of it. It looks so good. Um, I can't actually believe I'm not kidding. I couldn't actually believe I'd done it. <laughs> That's how proud I am. Yeah, you can do anything. You can do anything. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, love it. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's like, I'm not kidding. I've never worked. I'm a hard worker. I'm a really hard worker. And I can safely say I've never worked as hard as I have done in the last two years. 
I'm absolutely, I just need a holiday now. After the 3rd of February, when it drops. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to look at my computer. <laughs> I'll make sure to, uh, we'll make sure to drop this uh, leading up to it as well. So it gets some exposure. Oh, and then also, um, I'll get it from you afterwards, but make sure to send me uh, any links that you want us posting so people can be directed towards that. Um, absolutely. I would love that. I would love that. We'll make sure, we'll make sure uh, people get, get some love and some attention on that. So that's amazing oh, stuff. That means a lot as well because, um, you know, this is the time to get people into our Discord. Do you know anything about NFTs? I do. I do know a little bit. I've had quite a few. So I've had some random celebrity friends kind of go down that path um, oh, uh, yeah. on some of their moments. One of them was an NBA player who he did some uh, with some of his moments actually from as a player. I've got some friends who are doing it in the cannabis. It's been all over the place. So I'm no yes, expert on it. About it, yeah. But no, no enough to be dangerous on it. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. That's that's awesome stuff. And I'm sure you're oh, ready for uh, a few, I'm, a few days I'm, off. <laughs> I, just, I just don't want to look at my computer like for the next for like a week. Yeah, yeah. Try a month. <laughs> Might be good. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's good. So, so one of my one of my favorite questions in the planet is, um, you know, for, for you. Uh, with all that you've done from a creative perspective, performance perspective, what's kind of the impact that you hope to have on people's lives, on your life, on wow. uh, strangers that, you know, you see in a crowd or people that, in, you know, know you, know you deeply. What's what, if you could choose an impact you had on people, what would you want that to be? Oh, that's, that's a, that's an amazing question, isn't it? Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't think of like, I want to impact. I just want to be able to connect. So whether that is, um, I feel um, kindness is the most important thing ever. So I feel like some people don't feel seen. And I think maybe me being on stage and connecting or me creating something and, and in effect, them being seen through the artwork or them being seen through the music, um, you know, that would be the impact I think I would have as in... Um, I think that's it. If I could, if I could sum it up, that would be it for 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 them to feel that I see them, and I get it, and I get you, and I get them. I get I get us. I get this connection. I see you. I like that. That's it. I can't I can't think of anything else than. I don't I don't think you, I don't think you need to. I think that's profound yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I my just that connection in it. I just love people. I love people's stories, and um, everyone's got a story, and um. Like I say, I feel grateful to be even on stage, you know, being able to have this connection and people singing my tracks. Like I write these tracks here, you know, with tomato sauce down my top, looking like a tramp. And then all of a sudden I'm on stage and these people are singing my lyrics back. And I'm like, how fucking cool is that? That's <laughs> great, right? And That's going to be... Go on, sorry. Well, no, no, I was just about to say there are only so many people in the world that have experienced that moment and that feeling i can only imagine yeah um uh, uh, people come to see my shows as well and i think wow you've traveled to come to see me and then also some people say oh your music um got me through a really bad time or when i didn't feel like um you know i was different from the family and i didn't feel seen um and your music really connected with me and i'm it made me happy during my dark times i'm like fucking hell that's a, that is a lot, right? Isn't that an amazing thing? That's good oh, stuff. God, that makes me just cry. Yeah, so, um, yeah. I like that's that. A lovely, that's a lovely thing. Well, my favorite question of the planet is, uh, what gets you out of bed in the morning? 
the fire in my belly gets me out of bed. And I also think like, what am I going to make today? What can I make? I like making shit. As long as I can get up and make shit, I'm happy. Like, um, whether, like, I, I think visually, right? So whether it's creating art or music, lyrics, or um, just anything, I think visually. So if I can see it, then I can make it. And I, I wake up and I go, right. And I like, because I'm scattered and I'm creative, I need order. So what I do is I'm, I'm very, I micromanage my day. So the night before I've micromanaged my time. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do that. And I always, have you ever heard of a thing called eat the frog? No. Eat right, the frog? Okay. Yeah. So eat the frog basically means do the very thing that you don't want to do in the morning. That is the hardest thing for you to do that you keep putting off. Do that in the morning and get that out of the way. Eat the frog. I don't know why they called it that, but I think that was a book. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, what do, I, what do I not want to do? So I get that and I get that out of the way. I, I, I try to work out because it clears my mind and I try to not look at the computer in the morning because it fucks me. It makes me adult. So I like, um, I get up and then I, nothing makes me happier than having crossed off my lists. <laughs> so that's it, yeah. What about you? What, what what gets you up in the morning? Um, it's, uh, you know, I think in 250 episodes, you're the first person who's asked a reciprocated question. Oh, really? Um, yeah, interesting. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, so, you know, I, I you said everybody's got a story. I think, you know, similar sort of thing. I think every, every single person has a story and those stories are worth telling. So, you know, as an entrepreneur, my business is uh, we're in the video interviewing space. So, um, we think that the resume is a very limited uh, single sheet of paper that doesn't tell the whole story of who people are. And wow. so one of my current outlets for helping people share their story is through uh, the business and letting people share their story beyond just a resume. In my podcast, it's I love hearing people's stories, whatever walk of life you may come from and sharing that. And so, you know, I, I, I think I'm uh, I turned 29 in May. Um, oh so my I've got... God, you're so young. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and the, the only reason why I share that is because um, there's definitely a lot more life to live. I love being an entrepreneur. I love creating. I don't necessarily like running a business, but I like creating one. And so <laughs> I think for me, it's like, I, I think it's taking the next step towards something is what gets me out of bed and helping other people do the same thing. And that, that talk I mentioned that was like seven or eight minutes was all yeah. about taking the next step. And even if you take the next step, even if it's quote unquote, quote unquote, the wrong step, you at least are further ahead than people who haven't at all. And oh, so I think- God, I love what you just said. That's amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah. I think for me, it's helping, you know, for one, it's, you know, starting things and creating things and starting yeah. companies and being a part of that. But also at some point, I hope to sort of inspire other people to do the same because- I'm not even, you hope to, you are, you're doing it. That's what's happening right now as we speak. It's not just right now, you are in the business of inspiring people by doing what you're doing. It's amazing. You're fabulous. You should take a bow. <laughs> well, well, thank you. Uh, what, what did you say? Can I come live with you? Will you come live with me? Because I need to hear that stuff more often too. Yeah, yeah. You live with each other. <laughs> I, like, I, I like that a lot. I like that a oh lot. My God. So. No, honestly, you really are already doing that. So how about that? Well, thank you. That means I just like feel me saying that to you. Uh, it feels good. It feels yeah, good. It's good. it's 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 hard not to have a smile on my face with that. So right, you see, because if you think about your intentions, your intentions are to help people and to to inspire and to create, you know, changing of mindsets. And that's what you're already doing. And 
it's just a, it's a, it's an amazing way to live your days, you know. Hmm. Don't I see great. You're you're fabulous. <laughs> well, it's true. Thank it's you. true. <laughs> so, Luciana, this has been amazing, and I hope we. Uh, this is probably part one. I guarantee we'll probably do another one. Um, and I hope <laughs> I hope to see you in I hope to see you in person soon. But uh, for people who want to follow along with the work that you got going on. Uh, reach out to you, learn more about you. What's the best way for them to just contact, get in touch with, or follow along with what you got going on? Well, you know, I think the best thing is the my website, www.luciana.com. Very simple. But if you want to get in on the NFTs and find out what the scenario is there, it's at Royal Clubbers um, in, on Twitter. Awesome. And I'll make sure to include both those in show, show notes so people see that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because um, Clubbers is spelled C L B R Z. So, yeah, we don't okay. want to. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being a guest in this podcast. This has been amazing. I have had so much fun. <laughs> You're the I've best. I've got to say, they were really, really good questions as well. I was very impressed. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I'm glad. So, good, good stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Matt. All right, bye. You just listened to an amazing episode on the Matt Baxter Show. It had nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the guests that I have and the stories that we get to tell and the smack talking we get to have. So if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, feel free to su- subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Check us out at themattbaxtershow.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Matt C. Baxter, Twitter, or Facebook as well, too. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, whether it's through an email on the website or whether it's through any of the social platforms. I do my best to get back to people as soon as I can. But thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to send feedback in any way. And don't be afraid to share the Map Baxter Show. We're very excited to have you as a listener and hope you continue to listen as well. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye.